This is Building Optimal, a podcast to help builders and remodelers take your construction business to the next level. Welcome. Today, we're talking about healthy home construction. And before you say, Jared, why in the hell are you talking to us about this? Which is a fair question, by the way. I would like to build my case. So first, it's a niche, but it's a niche that's growing in the mainstream conversation. And it's not my goal to push this on you by any means, but it is my goal to make sure that we're all aware, cognizant of the possible changes that are happening to and within our industry, no matter what they may be. So I'm putting this message out there and you decide exactly what you want to do with it, if anything. Now, on an even more tactical front, I think this could be valuable because we can all use more tools in our sales arsenal, or at least sharpen those tools that we have. And adding niches and specialties to our list of capabilities may not be a bad strategy. And oftentimes the customers looking for that specialty may pay more. So I also put forth this episode with that consideration in mind. Again, I'm not recommending that you do this, I'm recommending that you hear it and you make your own decision. You know what's best for your business. Now on to our guest. Our guest today is Caroline Blavosky. Caroline is a national healthy home expert with over 17 years of experience working with the public and physicians to create healthy living spaces and improve wellness. Her certifications and education include knowledge of mold, indoor air quality, the big one, chemicals in the home, green building, healthy homes, and allergies. Caroline was featured in AARP in 2016 as a leading health and safety expert. She's a regular guest on Sirius Radio and works with leading physicians all over the country. She's a public educator in the media, radio, television, print, all of it. She's also president of My Healthy Home, which is a green company that offers testing services products and consultations for homes throughout the country. Caroline's a pleasure to speak with. I really enjoyed our visit. I hope you do too. Enjoy. So Caroline, what, what about this? Let's start with kind of defining the problem because I think a lot of people don't even realize that a problem may exist in terms of a typical, and let's focus on new homes or remodeled homes, so new construction. Can you define the problem for us in terms of what we're lacking or what we're doing wrong right now with new home construction? Right, so I think, I mean, there's a bunch of different issues that contractors and environmental consultants and people like you and me are facing. And one is, and we talked about this briefly before the show, we were talking about the climate change and things that are happening with weather conditions, right? And you're in Austin and we're in New Jersey and we see different climate that we've never seen. You know, we'll see storms, we'll see weather, we'll see humidity. Humidity has been a big issue and I'm sure you can attest to that down there. And then we've got these houses that are built tighter. Okay. We know that that's a common problem. Every builder knows that we've increased the building envelope tightness and therefore our air exchanges are less. And then also we have less fresh air. So we tried to make up with this difference by bringing in ventilation systems and ERVs. But at the end of the day, we still are having these environments that just aren't breathing enough, that don't have enough fresh air. And then, you know, homeowners are also part of the problem. They're bringing in all kinds of products and things like that that are contributing. So 
you know, basically, how do we get this home to be healthy from an, an indoor air quality perspective, I think is a big issue in home building today. Is that what you see as the biggest issue of, of all of them? Would it be indoor air quality? Well, I think it, and, and when I use that phrase, people just think, oh, it's the air. But what encompasses that air is multifaceted, right? So you have your building construction outgassing. So the products you're using in your building, the products you're using in your roof, the building products you're using in kitchens and bathrooms, all of that is important. Then you also have to deal with maybe radon gas is an issue. You have to deal with mold issues. You know, are you taking on too much moisture? Do you have too high relative humidity? Are you able to exchange, you know, that humidity and get it out of the building envelope? That's, you know, that's a big issue. When we tighten the building envelopes, the humidity needs somewhere to go. As we shower, as we bathe, all of these things, right? That humidity builds in houses now. And we see big problems where we're getting mold issues within the building envelope. Like not in a basement or slab or an attic. We're seeing it actually on the walls and condensation happening because of the tightness. So indoor air quality is a big issue that encompasses all of building. It's not just, you know just air itself and, and where that air comes from. Yeah. Well, I imagine that a lot of people who are in the construction industry haven't been very well educated yet on all of this. So you obviously are an expert. Where does somebody start learning about this problem so that they can start trying to figure out how to, uh, how to address it, how to start creating different solutions in their own construction well, to they manage have this? The- they had the International Building Show, um, which was just in February. That was at, in Las Vegas. And I found it very interesting. Obviously, we were there. And it was interesting because a lot of the focus was on ventilation. I mean, that's just a huge issue in the home building industry now. And, and you could probably attest to this as well, that um, you know they're doing a lot with, obviously, the Nest systems and then, of course, energy recovery ventilators and ventilation and fans you know, to reduce static pressure. And so I think that's like a great place for contractors to go. And you don't have to have a booth there. You know, you can simply go there and walk the floor and spend a couple of days in Las Vegas or wherever, enjoy yourself um, and go out and learn a lot about what's going on in the industry and, you know, what's happening. Are there any good resources that you recommend that are on the web or in other places? Yeah, I think, you know, it's important. I know as a builder, there's a lot that goes into it. So, you know, if you can get in contact with big organizations like NADCA, you know, the National Duct Cleaning Association. You can get in touch with um, the Indoor Air Quality Association. That's the IAQA, ASHRAE. You know, there's a lot of groups that offer information, you know, cutting edge stuff that's going on, or at least there's industry leaders or professionals like myself within those organizations that can help to, you know, just bring information to light. And if you get their newsletters, I think that helps too, to just read, you know, what's going on in the industry. And they have professionals writing about, you know, the latest and greatest. So I think that's important. And then contractors, you know, obviously take advantage of the the innovation that shows like, you know, the International Building Show and get out there and kind of see what what people are doing and what's happening. I think it's important. Yeah. Well, on that note, I, I want to talk about and explore a few of the things that for us novices who don't know a ton about it are easy, implementable things that we could do right now. I've had the theory for a while and I want to talk about this more and prove it up later that there could be uh, payoffs for people who market and build healthy homes. But first, let's talk about a few solutions that could be implemented in your build right or in somebody's build right now. Can you walk us through a few of these? Sure. Well, I think the first thing that we talked about is relative humidity and controlling this moisture problem. So as we tighten building envelopes, 
we've got to figure out how to, and this is in whether you're doing uh, single family homes or multiple dwellings, the issue of relative humidity has become very prevalent. So what happens is we sealed that building envelope really, really tight. And then we said, okay, we lessen the air exchanges. Great. We save on energy efficiency, which is always good, right? The furnace or the air conditioning isn't kicking on as much and people save money. That's the whole point, you know, and as we've moved into the zero and you know this, the leaning towards zero energy building, that's the type of problems that we've acquired. So now the air conditioning doesn't kick on. But the benefit to having air conditioning, if people don't know this, is that it also reduces relative humidity and moisture when it's running. If that air conditioning doesn't kick on frequently, so now you're saving on energy, your house stays cool at, you know, say 68 degrees, all of a sudden now, because of how relative humidity works, a cooler temperature also promotes higher relative humidity. So now you've got a house that's got high relative humidity, no way to control moisture, and then the air conditioning is not kicking on, and the house starts to grow mold. And this is a huge problem in new construction. And it's happening in, you know, all different walks of life, whether you live in Arizona, California, uh, Portland, Texas, where you are, Florida, you know, we'll see it differently. Like in Texas, we see a lot of problems with condensation that occurs obviously more in the attic space because you're dealing with differentials in temperature from cold to hot occur in an attic in the Northeast or the Midwest. We'll see it a lot more in basement spaces. But either way, this problem with relative humidity is huge. So you have to figure out a way when you're building if you're going to tighten that building envelope, how can you address the RH? So that could be a full house dehumidification system that's hooked onto the HVAC. Um, and it's really important for the HVAC community and the building community to work together. I know sometimes, you know, as a subcontractor, you just hire someone, right? You go out and you're like, okay, I'm just going to hire this guy and that's his job and he'll figure it out. But I think if you're really uh, focused on building good homes, you have to really be focused on how we're going to exchange that air and then how, of course, the relative humidity is going to be kept low to keep a healthy house. Because we know a healthy home should have relative humidity between 30 and 50 percent. And if you don't, you're not only going to have mold, but you're going to have bugs. You're also going to have dust mites. There's other reasons for not wanting a lot of moisture in the building envelope. So I think that's really important. Isn't there some general rule of thumb that it's like less than 45 percent relative humidity, you pretty much leave it inhospitable for things like dust mites, mold growth, et cetera. Correct. Is, is yes. that like a, an actually accurate uh, number? Yes. I mean, that my, I usually gave my clients a range of 30 to 50%, but yeah, like closer to that 45 is ideal because these are microbiological agents, right? So molds are just like people. They need food and air and, and water to survive. And so if you give the conditions to these things like bugs and then also dust mites, they're going to thrive and grow. It's like if I gave you a piece of chocolate cake and I gave you a nice coffee, <laughs> you're going to hang out, right? Talk. Right. And, but, you know, they're the same way. They're smart and they want to survive. And so just by controlling that relative humidity alone, I mean, you can really make a house healthier. It's, it's so simple. It's not this complex concept. So very easy in that capacity to help achieve a very mold-free home, which is important yeah. for a healthy house. So indoor air quality is the main subject that everybody usually hits on. I know water is another subject. And mm -hmm. one thing I've been doing on, on my homes when, uh, when possible is we'll put a little loop in so that people can, we won't go install the actual system, but it, if you have a loop installed, it's easy for somebody to go do it, a homeowner to do it afterwards. And, and that way we can advertise that we've got it plumbed and ready for like whole house water filtration or things like that. And the loop might be hundred, 150 bucks installed by your plumber. And it's just a nice little, little marketing strategy 
and it's something that you don't have to go spend a several thousand dollars on to go the like full distance and mm-hmm. install the filtration system yourself. So that's one thing that we have been doing on the healthy home front as we're exploring and trying to get a little bit further into it. Dehumidifiers are the other. Those are at least in, in our market, you know, those are a few thousand bucks, which is probably worth it. But, um, for us, when we're building spec homes, it, sometimes there's a decision point on when you need to do it or not. Well, the, the other thing too, is like I always tell my clients, which goes back to the water, there's two things. Like if you're purchasing a home, I want a water test and I want a mold test. And the reason is if you get into a home and we're talking more, you know, well, I mean, look, you can have mold problem in new construction too. I've seen it. So <laughs> plenty of times. So, but you want those tests done because they're big fixes on the back end. You know, if you yeah. do have a problem um, with the water, you may not want it. You know, even if you put a reverse osmosis system in, you know, if your water's really contaminated, you may choose that that's not an option for you. Um, but water is a, is a huge issue. And um, yeah, I think that's great that you guys are offering that because, you know, it's one of the sticking points with me. There's a lot of contamination that happens, not just lead and things that we hear about, but just from radiologicals, from arsenic, to, you know, the amount of um, chlorination byproduct you have in the water. So people don't realize the closer or farther you are from the line, you'll have more chlorine or chlorination byproduct. And that's been one of the, the things that has been on the list, the president of the United States for cancer. They have a list that basically looks at what are big cancer causing agents and where do they come from? And believe it a lot. And a lot of it is like building industry. It's formaldehyde. Those are things that are prevalent in our industry. The water issue becomes a home issue. So our home environments are really just really profound in influencing our health and wellness. And that's the message that I've been trying to get out to people for, you know, 20 years is that, look, how you feel, it's important to eat well and do all those things. But if you're living in a toxic environment or you're living in an unhealthy environment, you're going to be unhealthy. So you need to really focus on building better and living in better environments. Yeah. Well, I've seen something that said we're inside or indoors more like 90% of our lives. And so if that's the case, then your indoor environment is a huge contributor to your overall health and something that is easily overlooked. Mm-hmm. And formaldehyde, I mean, so when you start to look at houses right off the bat, I can name things. So we know molds produce mycotoxins. That's a potential carcinogen. We know homes contain formaldehyde, which is naturally occurring in wood, but also synthetically occurring. So that is also a carcinogen. We know we have radon and lead. Those are carcinogens. Depending on what your water supply may have, you know, chlorination, chlorination byproduct, those are carcinogens. So just looking at a home from that perspective, and this is just a couple things we're touching on, right? This isn't going into all the other VOCs and chemical compounds that are out there. The home is like a huge source of potential health effects, you know, to us. So it's really important that the builders take it seriously and not only for their own health building with these products, but also for the homeowner. Okay, so... I want to pivot a little bit and talk about the industry and from a financial perspective for builders, whether this makes sense and you see a lot of it. So the guys that are putting in these healthy home features, are they seeing positive returns? Are people paying more for those homes? Yes. And there's been a lot of studies and if people just Google um, financial trends in healthy home market. It's fascinating to see that, um, you know, and you can use an example of whole foods and genetically modified foods and organics and, you know, the whole foods industry. These are places where, you know, we started out having organics and things like that. And people were like, what? You know, I don't know what that is. And now people are willing to pay more for a better, healthier product. It's the same thing with the, you know, the home industry. 
So, you know, if people are interested, they can obviously just Google like trends in homes and you can see that people are willing to pay more for product. They're willing to pay more for knowledge. And, you know, if you can provide them a better service and offer them more information, especially, you know, if they have, we see a lot now and I work a lot with doctors and physicians and we see a lot of doctors, you know, advising people, look, you need to do mold remediation. You need to do indoor air testing. You need to get involved. You know, something's wrong in your home. You have asthma, your children are sick, whatever it is they need people who can fulfill those roles. And so that's become, especially in the environmental health arena, it's been huge. Like doctors are working with environmental health professionals all the time and contractors and consultants to get people um, healthcare. So it's interesting. The industry is changing. Have you noticed these builders who are marketing healthy homes? Are there any interesting strategies that you've seen them employ to get the message out? Because it's, it's not just, I think a few, taglines it's it's a greater message of education to explain to people because most people just don't know exactly i think the green movement took on a lot of momentum you know so we talked about energy efficiency we talked about sustainability that became so in the media right people just wanted to engage in oh i have a green home but you know my agenda for 20 years hasn't been about green it's about healthy And then in turn, when you do use healthier products, then, of course, you also increase your sustainability. So I think there's less about healthy. I mean, it's starting to become prevalent, but not in the way I'd like to see it. You know, that people talk about allergens and they talk about mold. I mean, mold's definitely skyrocketed. I mean, there was a time when no one tested their house for mold. And now, I mean, obviously, I've made a whole living in industry. (laughs) You know, the whole industry has just boomed in that in that aspect. Um, so I'd like to see it branch out more and obviously get into more water issues. And then, of course, volatile organics and the products we're building with. But, yeah, it's moving in that direction for sure. On the mold topic, I want to go back to that for a second. Is it more prevalent now because testing is more prevalent and we're exposing more cases? Or is it the fact that we're building tighter homes that have then created as a consequence more mold? Well, I think there were a lot of famous lawsuits. You know, you heard about celebrity homes having mold problems and then. Mold got sort of pushed to the front, the forefront. And then, you know, people started getting really sick from mold. And, you know, molds do three things. They produce a, the fuzzy thing you see growing on the bathroom or on sheetrock or whatever. And that produces a protein that causes inflammation or allergies in a percentage of the population. But molds also produce VOCs, which people don't normally know. We associate VOCs with paint and building and stuff like that. But molds actually produce VOCs as well. And then they also produce mycotoxins, which are uh, neurotoxins that basically can, you know, poison you if you have them in your home. So the combination of all of that and studies being done and the industry expanding and doctors recognizing that molds are really not good for our health in a lot of capacities, I think that's kind of pushed the mold issue. So you hear a lot more about it. I mean, everybody, you know, at least in the Northeast up where we are, they don't buy a home without testing for mold. It's become pretty standard, even though there's no regulation for it. Have you seen any data that speaks to how prevalent it is, like in what percentage of homes? I'm sure it varies by region. I mean, just, I don't know a specific data amount, but I can tell you, I test thousands of homes. You know, I I test homes all over the country and I can tell you that you find mold in, you know, 99% of homes, whether it's from bathroom leaks, condensation under toilets, you know, this, like as soon as you bring a water source inside, you start to condense, you know, under a shower, you'll condense around a toilet, et cetera. But, you know, that doesn't necessarily make it bad. It's when these concentrations get out of control and people have a lot of water intrusion, whether it's roofing problems or basement flooding or, you know, storm damage and and they don't take care of it when it really becomes an issue. So 
I'm a big proponent of contractors and building because I think people should be remodeling their bathrooms and kitchens every 20 years. I mean, you can't go with water sources in the house and not do these things. It's important to stay on top of it. So I'm the biggest advocate for, you know, the contracting industry because it just, we need people who actually have these skill sets can do it, you know, and the old school ways of doing things, which were sometimes better, Jared, they just, we don't have people that have those skills anymore. It's, it's kind of sad, you know, if you want to do a real mud shower, mud bathroom with concrete, there's not a lot of people who can do it. Yeah. You know, the, the thing that I've talked a lot about is how it's so hard to differentiate yourself in the construction and the, in the building industry. There's so much competition and the ways that we typically try to differentiate ourselves are sometimes it's just kind of, what's the, what's the best way to describe it? I, I hate to say lip service, but let me right, put it this way. It's, it's somewhat a, yeah, it's a, it's a commodity industry in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. And I've always been fascinated by healthy homes because I have felt like it's something that can be another feather in a builder or remodeler's cap to differentiate them. Mm-hmm. And I keep going back to the question of will people pay more? You've seen it. You say people yes. will pay more. It 100%. sounds like there's data out there that people will pay more. There's still going to be a, a spectrum on which builders would have to select what things they put in and what things they don't to get a positive ROI. So it sounds like a humidifier, even if it's an extra few thousand dehumidifier, even if it's a few extra thousand dollars might be something where you could get that positive ROI, whereas, you know, painting the whole house in mineral paint, although maybe, maybe the gold standard Mm -hmm. of healthy homes may not get that positive ROI for a builder. So I, I keep going back to this topic with you, I know, but I'm just curious if you have any additional thoughts on this to help us get clarity and kind of a path forward as we're thinking about this for our own businesses. Well, I think too, I mean, just from a a standpoint, I mean, there's healthier drywall, right? So I guess I know this because I'm in the business, but not all drywall is the same. And there's different drywall that I think is more acceptable, uses less vinyl additive, you know, more 100% gypsum, less formaldehyde and things like that, which isn't necessarily a cost thing. It's not going to cost the homeowner any more or less. It's just a knowledge base. So I think if you can bring also some knowledge about healthier products and better products, it may not really be a cost thing that it, it just ends up being my contractor knows more, which I think is a huge, I mean, I'm picky, right? So I, when my contractors come in to work on my home, these guys are amazing. And I obviously pick people who are knowledgeable and I tend to go towards the old school contractor, right? Because they, they built 1800s houses. They, they've worked on these, you know, they've got 60 years experience and they know how to deal with this type of environment and what breathes and what doesn't and the old building style. So, you know, and I don't know with plywood. I mean, I'm just an advocate of plywood. I deal a lot with houses that are built, you know, in the Northwest and out there because of the rain and the conditions, they always build with plywood. They're using CDX plywood. They're never using OSB because they can't. And they're also building bigger overhangs and things to protect the house. Like, I don't know that that's really more expensive for you, right? From a standpoint. I mean, how much is, how much differential is it if you go with a plywood versus, you know, an OSB material? Is it really that much different? Maybe a little, but but that's not to say that in the totality of a project it couldn't be absorbed, mm-hmm. um, especially if it was you know something that was a part of an intentional set of decisions to to arrive at a you know a more marketable house, a more marketable product. Yeah, I mean, I, I can see a lot of ways people can you know do healthier homes. We have 
specific spackles that we use. Like I like Merco 100 makes a great hyperallergenic spackle. I don't know that it's really more expensive. It's more a little time consuming because you've got to, it's not your typical, you know, just throw it on already prepped, ready to go. You have to mix it. But, you know, with clients who have that need, it's important. We also use a lot of caulking materials that, you know, are inert and don't have smell and petroleum based product. And, you know, I don't really know that it's really more expensive or not. It's just that it's knowing that these products exist and being able to use them. And, and we have a lot of special needs clients, obviously. So I have to have that arsenal in my back pocket. So if somebody wants to do construction, they can. And yeah. they know what to use. So we're not going to make anybody sick. Yeah. From your perspective, is drywall really that bad? Is it something that you think people, if they have a budget, should go to, oh, what's, what's the alternative? Is it the magnesium something board? Yeah, I mean, I'm not, I, I don't really have issues with drywall at all, um, more so um, the products that they add to it. And there's okay. companies out there that make, you know, a better drywall. So they're not adding a lot of the, you know, vinyl product back in. And that's easy. I mean, that's just a, a matter of looking at an MSDS sheet and knowing what's in your product. And that's important for builders. And I think also, you know, for contractors, but also for clients, you need to know what's in these products and you should be aware, like, you can make a choice to put something in, but just be aware of what you're getting. Like if you're using engineered flooring versus using real hardwood, well, what's in here? What's in my product? And you may still make the choice to use that, but I think you should know, right? And be educated about what you're putting in and the difference. Yeah. Do you know offhand some of the manufacturers that you like that you think are better on the drywall? Um, I use uh, Gold Bond is a company that's uh, U.S. Gypsum, I think it makes that. Gold Bond is one of the ones we used to use um, Lafarge, but they they stopped making it. But I think we've gone now to Gold Bond, which is I, I believe that's I think that's U.S. Gypsum. You have to look it up, but I think that's who makes Gold Bond. Okay. Um, but you know, and I usually traditionally go with their standard gypsum. You know, anytime you start to add stuff in, it but it depends. Like some people don't have those sensitivities, so you kind of have to weigh it on your your client. But let your client tell you. And I think if you're knowledgeable and you're able to say, look, I know there are differences. I know there's healthy home products. You know, I'm willing to listen to you. I think that's huge. You need to listen to your clients because they have needs that are different from yours. And I think a lot of the problems with contractors is they go in and they're like, I'm going to do it my way. I want to do it this way. And they have a knowledge, but that doesn't mean they have knowledge for that particular client. And I think clients get, you know, upset because they're like, look, well, I don't want to put this in. My child has asthma. What can I do to, you know, lessen the blow? So I think just listen to your clients and be understanding to their needs. Yeah. Good point. Um, something that I'm guilty of myself sometimes, I think. Um, we all are, right? Like people come start telling me how to do my job. And I'm like, what? Have you been doing this 20 years? You know, I get, I totally get it. But I learn from my clients every day, Jared. Like it's so important to listen to people because they have a story that you don't have and they have understanding. And sometimes they've researched things better than you would ever know. Like, you know, these clients will come in and tell you, well, this is in this product. And you're like, what? You know, you don't, you're a contractor. You don't, you just go in and buy the product. You're not really thinking about necessarily what's in it. So, and windows and doors are the same. You know, there's better windows and door companies. Not all products are the same. You know, in my house, I, I researched a lot about, you know, what I was going to put in my house. And I was pretty picky about, I actually went with Anderson. I, I liked um, their door system. So I, I went with Anderson. I went with the all pine system. I mean, a, um, an oak wood with the, the veneer on the, you know, aluminum on the outside. But it, it just uh -huh. depends. You have to research it and know what you're getting. Yeah. Going back to the dehumidifier system for a second, I put in my house the ultra air system. Mm, that's great. Uh -huh, great. Is that what you recommend, or do you have another one that people should look at? 
Yeah, the Ultra Air is fantastic. We sell them. I'm a wholesaler for um, Thermostore. So I like their whole Santa Fe line tremendously. I'm a big fan of, you know, their standalone units. You have what's called a whole house unit. Um, did you go with, do you use the energy recovery ventilator portion of it, ventilation, or you just use the humidity? Just the humidity. Okay. So for people, there's also options, you know, where you can use an energy recovery ventilator system mm-hmm. to bring in fresh air too. But yeah, I think they're one of the best. I mean, I could sell anything in the industry and that's what we sell here. So yeah. and you like those? Mm-hmm. Very okay. much. It's like a, for people who haven't been exposed to this before, it's kind of like a whole new world. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. And, uh, you know, I've just been doing it so long and I realize like houses are just, they're very unique to every situation. And that's kind of cool because when you go in, it's never going to be the same job, right? So every house has its own kind of quirks and some people have mold issues, some people have radon issues, some people have, you know, building problems and I think the VOC issue, you know, having a lot of volatile organics and helping to build products that have low VOCs is very important and not bringing in all these chemical compounds. And then you've got someone who can't live in a house. I mean, I've had to detoxify many a house in my day where just the volatile organics were 5,000, 6,000 from new building construction. And that's just not acceptable. You can't be moving people into homes with that type of, you know, cancer risk. And a lot of these products are carcinogenic. So, you know, you've got to really build smart and, and start using better products for everybody. I mean, for our own health, you know, I was on a site the other day, you laugh. And I said to the contractor, he was building a bunch of, you know, they had OSB and they've, they've improved the ventilation somewhat, but you know, these houses are still too tight and they're, you know, building a lot with, you know, the synthetic woods for doors and, you know, everything was just like, you know, engineered flooring. And I said to the contractor, I said, so do you live in one of your homes that you've built? And he goes, Oh no. He's like, I don't. I said, why not? He goes, well, they're not really built well. And I started laughing and he goes, I live in an 1800s house. And it's like, well, like if the contractors know this, Jared, you know what I mean? So like, then what's the problem here? Why aren't we building better? We know, you know, it's up to yeah. you guys really to, you set the industry, you're buying the product. You're the ones that are making the, make can make a huge impact. So if you just start doing it, I think people will catch on and they'll say, wow, I want that builder. Why would I want to go with somebody who's just going to give me cheap product and, and sell me something that isn't going to be healthy for me? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I have a theory. I don't know if it's accurate or if it's right, but it's what I choose to believe. And that is that that affecting a big cultural shift or change like this, you have to start somewhat small for us as builders right now, because, you know, if we went full tilt with all of the things you can do for a healthy home, I don't believe that you could get a payoff on that because you could spend a ton of money, but there is that inflection point, that optimal ROI where you can push it. And I know I'm sitting here talking about financial decisions on something that is, is bigger than that. But, you know, since this is our businesses, we also have to be making those decisions. Mm -hmm. Uh, They're paramount to make sure that we, we can stay in business so that you find that optimal ROI and the inflection point right now, if you're looking at a, at a, at a graph, I think it's a little closer in to that y-axis. And once people start getting a little bit more educated, then they're willing to pay a little bit more, and that starts shifting over. And mm-hmm. that could even happen. That can happen on an industry-wide level. That can also simply happen for a builder and his particular reputation and clientele as he starts developing more of a brand that is known for something like this for healthier homes. 
Well, and so. I think too, like when I talk to bigger organizations, the issue is I don't think you can just sell a product without the education piece here. So like, for example, let's just say we're in a home uh, hardware store and we're going to push VOC paints, low VOC, right? Or no VOC. You've got to have an education piece, whether it's somebody talking to them or a interactive video saying, look, did you know by simply reducing VOCs, you could improve your indoor air quality, this could improve life for your family and explain how the health and impact and then sell them the product, right? So it's a win-win for everybody. You're doing something that's healthy for them, but then you're also selling them a product because look, everybody's in business to make money and that's the goal here. So, you know, you can't expect people to do things for free, but I think if you, like you said, combine the education piece with it and understand the homeowner understands what they're getting, they're going to be more apt to, you know, be less concerned with budget, though they'll want it. They'll pay a little more for a better product, but also they don't need to. Some of these products are just healthy and they don't, they're healthier and you don't have to pay more for them. Yeah. You reminded me earlier, I've got to share a, an anecdote before we, we go or a story that there aren't many of you all who are the thought leaders in this space. And so you probably know, know this lady or know of her. Her first name's Paula, and I forget her last name. But she's also one of the, one of the leaders in the, in the healthy home space. And uh, I had a friend who I guess was friends with her or had known her a while back. And she said that she had walked through a few of her homes. And I believe this lady is an architect and her husband's a, a general contractor. Mm-hmm. And they built homes, I think, in Santa Fe. She said she had walked through a few of this lady's homes and that and maybe even stayed at one of them for some period of time. And that there's like a noticeable difference in the way that you feel. Absolutely. And, and I can't vouch for it personally. I'm just I'm relaying her story when you were in her homes. And that's a pretty if that is really something that people are going to experience whenever they walk through your homes, that's a powerful reason to really consider doing it because so much of a new home purchase is on emotion and how somebody feels and connects when they walk into your house. Well, it's absolutely true. I mean, I can tell you from living in an 1800s house that is, you know, real clapboard and lathe and, and I go into other people's homes every day and I don't, you know, I preach and practice how I live. Right. So I'm a walking example of it. I can feel the difference when I go into new construction. It feels tighter. It feels your breathing feels impaired. It's just a completely different feel. So I hundred percent vouch for that. And, and I know knock wood, you know, my family is extremely healthy and, you know, we don't get sick a lot and, you know, I see it in comparison to other people. And I definitely think it has to do with how we live without a doubt. Yeah. Well, Caroline, I'm thinking that we keep it to just this for this first episode. It's something that fascinates me and that, that I enjoy learning about and talking about. I want to see how our, our listeners respond to this. I think that, uh, uh, hopefully other people will enjoy it as much as I do. And if so, I want to dig into this more in the future. So hopefully we could have some, some more in-depth episodes in the future. Yeah. I'd love for you to um, start building some more. So how did you build your house, Jared? What did you use when you built it and what kind of products did you use and that kind of good stuff? Yeah. So on, on mine, um, I put in whole house water filtration system from Aquasana. It was a five stage, mm-hmm. I believe it. Four or five it. Yeah. Stage. yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then at the sink, I did a reverse osmosis. I did the dehumidification system. 
I experimented and failed with a lighting system called Ketra, which is designed to optimize the lighting, kind of like circadian lighting. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And and that didn't work out. And I'm not going to say anything bad about them because they seem to be a good company. I think maybe we just had some something that we weren't doing right on our end. I didn't like the I didn't like the app that you had to interface with. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm still exploring a good like circadian lighting option for the house. And then I did some other weird stuff. I'm into what what they call like kind of biohacking and some weird kind of health stuff. So I had like a infrared sauna that I put in mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Uh, right. some stuff like that. I was going to try to get in a cold tub, but I, I couldn't pull it off in time. So I didn't do that, but I would have if I could. So a few things like that was what went into mine. And of course I did like the low VOC pain. So I, I'm going to go back and probably clad some walls in, um, a clay plaster system or mm-hmm. a lime system, which they say really can help modulate indoor humidity. That's good. Cool. And because I know Austin's like really booming as yeah. far as, you know, a lot of influx of Northeasters. Yeah, from all over. Yeah, yeah, it's really booming. It's very beautiful there and um, a lot of building going on. And um, yeah, I mean, do you find that they're using a lot of OSB like here? I mean, I, uh, the PEC systems. I'm not a big fan of the plastic plumbing. I have not been for yeah. some time. I've seen a lot of problems with it. Um, I'm not a big fan of, you know, a lot of this OSB and the, it doesn't breathe. I mean, it doesn't permit moisture. And when we're living in climates like we've got now, you've got to let that moisture got to flow. And if it can't, you're going to have issues. So, you know, yeah. I mean, what do you think down there? What are they doing a lot? with it, the building it's, Yeah. You, you'd be mortified then mm-hmm. <laughs> because it's, Pretty much all OSB and PECs everywhere, unless it's a very high-end build and a very high-end builder who can sell their wealthy client on spending more. Unfortunately, short of that, it's almost non-existent down it's, here. Uh, you know, Jared, it's the same thing up here, and it's bad. And I'm going in on the back end, so I've got a lot of sick clients, and we find over the years that I'm going into these OSB spaces, and people have like like these kind of like what I call Lyme's disease, nondescript symptoms, like fibromyalgia kind of things. And they're all living in the same identical building construction. And I can't help but see these patterns and think, are we doing this to ourselves? And there's no regulation. I mean, we have absolutely no regulation in the building industry. I mean, I'd love for there to be something where, you know, we're looking at product, but the way, you know, things happen, look at asbestos, right? I mean, they used it for years and years and years. I mean, my grandfather worked at John's Manville, God rest his soul. He died of mycelioma. You know, these were products that we knew were bad and, you know, look how long it took to stop them. And we have no regulation now on any of this stuff. So to me, it's a big concern. And I think there has to be some kind of guideline now moving forward, because I think we're really going to end up hurting ourselves. And I'm seeing patterns of it and I'm, I'm not happy with it at all. Do you see the possibility for some regulation or legislation that will be happening in the coming years? Um, you know, I think we're really far behind on the eight ball. I don't think they're looking at it. I, I think they're trying to regulate like mold remediation and they're putting licensing in effects for mold remediators, which is a good thing because, you know, there's a lot of people out there taking people, which is horrible. I mean, I see it every day. They're telling people they need mold remediation and not fixing the problem. And, you know, they just cover over it and you can't do that. You've got to remove the mold. It's, it, it doesn't work that you can just spray a biocide and walk away. So, I mean, that they're trying to regulate, but I see very little going on as far as regulation in the building industry. And it is so needed. I mean, really not, not from a code perspective, but a health perspective. Like what are we putting in these homes? We we're looking at our food and what's going into the food and GMOs and all of this, you know, pesticide and 
anything, you know, that's being put on our food, but our houses, we're just toxifying ourselves. It makes no sense. To me. That needs to be addressed. There needs to be some regulation. there. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you for what you're doing to push this forward. There aren't, there aren't many people who find something they're passionate about and good at and can truly make advances in it. But I, I know that you're doing that. You're one of the true thought leaders in this space. So thank you. No, thank you. Doing. Thanks for having me on the show and talking about these issues because it needs to be addressed, you know, and that's why I go on programs and educate people and get people thinking like, hey, you know, my food's toxic. Well, my house can be toxic, too. And what can I do about it and make it better? Yeah. So, you know, and as long as there's builders out there who are willing to start recognizing that, I think that's that's fantastic. Completely agreed. Well, Caroline, thank you so much for your time. Really Thanks, enjoyed the Karen. conversation. Me too. Thanks. And we'll have to connect on social media. And I love to see posts and people, what they're doing. So please, you know, keep me in the loop. We'll get you some feedback too on how our listeners like the show. I think they're going to like it. Thanks, Derek.